The following podcast is a Dear Media production. In 2024, I'm trying to be way more intentional, way more mindful, and way more conscientious about what I expose my body to and also the impact that what I use has on the planet. And a really easy, really impactful swap that I have made is switching to Cora. Cora makes period care products that not only do I feel good about, but that are good for the planet. So Cora makes comfortable, reliable period care products with clean ingredients. Cora has the number one selling 100% organic cotton tampon, and they have a compact plant-based applicator. So they're made without pesticides, chlorine, or rayon. Plus, they gently expand to absorb from all angles for worry-free leak protection. I never really thought about the tampons that I was using, I have to admit. But when you think about it, you're putting something inside your body and into your bloodstream, essentially. And this is such a small tweak that you can make in your life that has a really big effect on your body. And, you know, as women, this is something that we do monthly for decades. So we really are exposing our bodies to a lot if we are using tampons that have things like pesticides, chlorine, rayon. I love that their tampons are made without any of these harmful ingredients, even fragrances. And the products are so comfortable. They offer tons of protection. It's one less thing to worry about when it's my time of the month. On top of all of that, with every purchase, Cora provides period products and body education to people who might otherwise go without, which I absolutely love. So it's time for a change. Make the switch to Cora. Pick up Cora tampons and pads at your local Target or CVS or have them delivered directly to your door by visiting my special URL. It's Cora.life slash blonde. So right now when you order online with my special promo code, you'll get 20% off all Cora products. Again, go to Cora.life slash blonde and use my promo code blonde. That's 20% off at C-O-R-A dot life slash blonde with promo code blonde. Welcome to the Blonde Files podcast. I'm your host, Ariel Laurie, and I'm here to talk all things wellness. From how to achieve optimal health and well-being to the best beauty tips and everything in between, no topic is off limits. I know there's so much information out there, so I'm bringing on expert guests and sharing my own experiences to help you sift through all the wellness stuff without the BS. Enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the first solo episode of 2024. I think I may have mentioned this in my last solo, maybe, but there are going to be more solo episodes in 2024. That's feedback that I have gotten from a lot of listeners. And I think I also mentioned that there is going to be a new way that you can get additional content. So that's going to be coming probably in February. But Again, solo episodes on the regular podcast, hopefully two a month. So let me know if that is something that you guys want. And I'm so bummed because I was going to be recording this episode in studio today so that it could go on YouTube. Yes, the podcast is now on YouTube. I like to stay ahead of the curve when it comes to social media platforms. (laughs) So make sure you go and check it out. It's a little bit hard to find at the moment. I'm still working on it, but I do have a highlight on my Instagram that says YouTube, and you can find the past two episodes there. So that is exciting. And there are so many exciting things coming down the pipeline this year that I can't wait for you guys to find out about. But for now, let's just get into the topics for today. They're kind of all over the place. I'm going to try not to repeat myself too much, but I do get really similar questions every time. So I think that this is something that a lot of people are probably feeling right now. I know that I have been feeling this, and that is how to get out of a rut. So I think that this interesting thing happens in the new year. We go into the new year, whether we have made intentions or resolutions, we have all of these plans and hopes and dreams and manifestations and, you know, new habits that we're going to implement into our lives. And then we get a few weeks into the year. In fact, I think last week there was actually something called 
National Quitters Day, which is like the day that people quit on their resolutions. And it's like pretty much around the beginning to middle of January. And then there's kind of this hangover from all of that planning and all the things that we said we were going to do that we stopped doing. So I have definitely found myself in a rut. And I know that a lot of other people are feeling it as well. And I just feel like in general, 2023 was kind of like a funky year. And I'm really trying not to let that infiltrate my 2024, but I am still kind of feeling it. Obviously, I'm like dealing with personal things, which is another thing that so many people have asked about. Yes, I will be talking about that, but not in this episode, but soon. Okay, so how to get out of a rut. I think that obviously there's nuance here. It depends on whether the rut is kind of a workout rut, if it's an eating healthy rut, if it's an emotional rut. But in general, I believe that the only way to get out of a rut, which is basically inaction, right, is action. It's often contrary action. And this is something that I came by in sobriety. So in sobriety, we say like we can't get out of our problems or we can't change how we are feeling just by thinking. I can't think myself into feeling better. I can sometimes think myself into feeling differently, but I have to act my way into feeling better. And it usually involves doing a bunch of shit that I don't want to do, to be frank. So I think that especially in the wellness world, there is this tendency to kind of baby ourselves. And what I mean by that is if we are feeling any way aside from how we think we should feel or how we want to feel, if we are feeling sad or lazy or unmotivated, we go into self-care mode, right? We go into the bubble baths and face masks and journaling and meditation and all of these tools that can be really great. And I think that they should be just that tools. And I'll get into that in a little bit. But I really, truly believe that if you want to change the way you feel, you change what you do. So if you are, I don't know, in a rut where you are just feeling like you are being lazy. Maybe you're not working out as much as you want to work out. Maybe you are not being as social as you want to be. Maybe you're just feeling blah and you don't really know why. Start getting busy. So start filling up your calendar with workouts or workout classes, commitments that you are going to keep as though it was a job. Put social things on your calendar. So a walk with a friend or dinner with friends or whatever you like to do and maybe pick up a new hobby. Pottery is really hot right now in LA, something that I'm going to try doing. I don't know, cooking class. Like there's so many different things that you could do and just try to get busy because a few things will happen from that. One, when you're busy, you're not going to be thinking about how lazy, how sad, how unmotivated you feel. And I talked about this on my last episode, but I feel like you're going to create momentum, right? And back to Newton's law. And I joked about this on my Instagram, but I was like, do you think when Newton came up with Newton's law, he was thinking about wellness routines? But objects in motion stay in motion. You know, when you start getting busy, you are creating some forward momentum in your life. You are going to be creating momentum to get out of that rut. And you are probably going to either meet new people, find new things that you love, find a workout class that you like. You're just going to feel different. So my advice on getting out of ruts is to act your way into feeling different. Act your way out of that rut. There is a saying that we have or a concept that we have in recovery where all of my good and wise ideas originate from. And it's about problems and not necessarily saying that when you're in a rut, there's anything problematic. But I do feel like when we get into a rut, we focus on the negatives and what we're not doing and so on and so forth. But there's this idea in recovery about letting your problems die of neglect. So when you get so busy that you are filling your life with other things, your problems die of neglect because you're not 
paying attention to them. So obviously, again, there's nuance. I always get people who fight me on things that I say in my podcast. But thank you for hate listening. You know, still a listen. Obviously, there are problems that we encounter throughout life that need our attention, right? But a lot of our problems are kind of based in our perception. And when we focus on them disproportionately to other things in our lives, that becomes all that we can see. So, you know, again, kind of acting yourself out of that, acting yourself into being busy and neglecting those problems that you're focusing on. Even something like taking a walk. So if you go on a walk and you're on your own, obviously this isn't super distracting, but I remember I had Dr. Samantha Boardman on the show years ago, sometime during COVID, and she said that there's actually scientific evidence, data that proves that when you go for a walk, that disrupts rumination. So just something about moving your body disrupts that, you know, kind of obsessive, cyclical thinking about problems or anxiety or whatever it is that you're thinking about. So you can imagine when you are doing something with friends or, I don't know, taking up a new hobby or whatever it is that you're doing, that is providing relief because that's going to distract you from the other things that you are ruminating on. Shorter days means it is time to focus on getting sufficient vitamin D in your diet. We know that most Americans are deficient in vitamin D, and especially in the winter, and especially if you don't live in a warm climate where you can be exposed to sunlight, this is something that you really need to be mindful of, especially throughout the winter season. So 97% of women ages 19 to 50 are not getting enough vitamin D from their diet and rituals essential for women 18 plus was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% in a clinical study. I've been taking ritual for years. If you haven't listened to my episode with Kat Schneider, definitely go back. It was in the early fall and it's so fascinating hearing about the supplement industry as a whole where things are typically sourced from and why ritual is different. She gets into the vitamin D aspect as well and where most supplements source their vitamin D from. You are definitely not going to want to take any supplement other than Ritual after you listen to that. And I really appreciate that not only are the ingredients in Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus traceable, but they are also USP verified. So you know that you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. Also, Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus has only high quality ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. So they have nine key nutrients in two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption. They're gentle on an empty stomach and they have this really nice minty essence in every bottle that helps make taking your multivitamin actually enjoyable. So no more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. So get 40% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash blonde. This offer is only available through January 31st. So start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash blonde for 40% off. Hi, I'm Caroline Stanbury, star of The Real Housewives of Dubai, entrepreneur, wife, and mother of three, once divorced and now remarried to a much younger man, uncut and uncensored with Caroline Stanbury follows me as I live my life unapologetically and shows you that there is life after 40. I discuss everything from relationships, health, wellness, business, parenting, friendships. I'm here to let you know that not only is there a life after divorce, but you have the power to make it your best one yet, just like I did. Listen to all new episodes every Wednesday, anywhere you get your podcasts. Let's talk about the big O, obesity. Four in 10 Americans struggle with it, and we know it is associated with so many diseases. So there should be no shame in the weight game, and I truly believe that there should be no shame in the approach that somebody takes to lose weight. 
So I know that everybody is familiar with the weight loss shots that are on the market right now. I've had a lot of experts come on the show and talk about them. And if you're wondering how to get this, Roe provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. So the Roe Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so that you can lose 15 to 20 percent of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. I love that they also include the lifestyle changes because we know that this is what is needed to make this weight loss sustainable. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Roe to help them lose weight and Roe Body Program members have support throughout the entire process. So Roe's partner handles all of the insurance paperwork to help get medication covered and if eligible for medication, patients have access to their provider on demand for any questions. This is essential, I believe, when you are using these medications because I think that where people go wrong is when they are just kind of getting it from a doctor or provider, doing it on their own, and both not implementing healthy lifestyle changes and not being monitored by a healthcare professional. So you can sign up online from the comfort of your own home. This means no scheduling a doctor's appointment, no commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. Average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to row.co slash blonde. And if you sign up today, you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That is row.co slash blonde, ro.co slash blonde. The first few questions are kind of all under this umbrella about getting in a rut getting back on track when you've fallen off, discipline. So how to get back on track when you've fallen off? Trying not to repeat myself too much. I totally understand this. And I think that so many of us are in this place again, where we started the year with a bang. We were eating healthy every day, working out every day, maybe doing dry January, whatever it was that you felt like you were on track with. Now we're all kind of falling off, right? We're making excuses. We're getting busy. We're falling back into our old habits. So same thing. It's action. And I talked about this in my last episode, so I won't get too far into it here. You guys can go back and listen to that one from December. But I really, really believe in getting pen to paper and looking at things in black and white. If you are really finding that you're stuck and you can't just say, okay, I'm going to schedule these workouts. I'm going to go buy my groceries so that I can cook more instead of ordering, or I am going to stay sober for the month of January, whatever it is. If you're not finding that you can do that on your own, I would get pen to paper, write it down and look at it in black and white. So again, back to sobriety, big fan of taking inventory. A business that doesn't take inventory cannot be successful. Well, we're all our own little businesses, right? So sometimes we have to look at this stuff, regardless of how uncomfortable it can be. So, you know, if there is a current behavior that you want to change, again, you can go back and listen to the full episode that I did in December about this, but you can write down, you know, what is the current behavior? What is the behavior that I aspire to? And what are the really simple steps that I can do to get myself from point A to point B. And then you can go, oh, okay, I need to get up earlier so that I can get my workout in before I go to work because I'm hitting snooze. Or I need to go to the grocery store and buy groceries for the week so that I am not coming home at the end of the day and just ordering Postmates because I have no food and I'm exhausted. So just these little tweaks that you can implement into your life to make it easier. Like it's hard to have discipline. And that was the next question that somebody asked me. It can be really hard to have discipline. It can be hard to be motivated to do the things that you want to do to support the life that you want to live. So make it easier on yourself. And, you know, I don't want you guys to think that I am like this rigid tyrant who I'm like taking inventory of my life every day and like a drill sergeant, you know? No. For the most part, I am able to 
find the motivation, find the discipline to do the things that I want to do from my actions. And again, back to what I was saying in the beginning, overriding my brain. Guess what? My brain doesn't want me to do shit. Pardon my language. My brain wants me to sit at home all day on social media or making content, not seeing anybody, not working out, maybe taking a walk, like light walk around the neighborhood, maybe put on some old sex in the city, take a bubble bath and go to bed at nine. Like that is what my brain tells me to do. So I have to constantly override that with my actions. And that is how I find motivation. That is how I find discipline. Like that is not something that anybody can give me externally. Occasionally, can I go to LeBron James Instagram and look at his workout and feel motivated to work out? If you guys know, you know, I talked about this last year. Don't worry, I'm not some like weirdo stalker. But can I get motivation externally? Sure. Sometimes, you know, maybe your favorite creator is a fitness person or they are eating really healthy or they have a lifestyle that you aspire to and you can look at that and you can be motivated. But I feel like more often than not, it just makes you feel maybe worse about yourself than makes you feel motivated, if that makes sense. So, you know, I think the moral of the story here is that you have the power to do the things that you don't feel like doing and you have the discipline. It's just about doing it. You know, if you're going to wait to feel discipline and if you are going to wait to feel motivation, you're going to be waiting for a long time. What happens is when you start to have discipline, say meditation, for example, people always ask me, how do you do transcendental meditation specifically? Because that's twice a day, 20 minutes in silence. And it's not like every day I wake up and go, oh boy, I can't wait to sit alone with my thoughts for 40 minutes today. No, you know, it's something that I essentially trained myself to do. And when I get up in the morning, it is habitual. You know, it's so ingrained in my morning routine. Obviously, there are mornings that I get up a little bit later or I have a ton of stuff that I have to do right out of the gate. But, you know, for the most part, we can all find time. The whole thing with TM is they're like they have some of the most high powered people around the world who do it and they find the time. I mean, Chuck, for example, he had still has. But a few years ago when we learned TM together, he had the craziest schedule. He had six shows on TV at that time, I think. He always joked about how like his assistant had to schedule time for him to pee because it was just like from the second he woke up, it was just go, go, go. But he would get up a little bit earlier to get that 20 minutes in and then he would close his door at work and take 20 minutes when he really didn't have the time. But the whole thing is when you think that you don't have the time, that's when you need to do it most. And what happens when you meditate, just using this example specifically, is you create more time and you create more space and you create more flexibility. But I don't know that anybody inherently has more discipline than the next person. I think that some people just have more willingness to get uncomfortable. And it's like, do you want to deal with temporary discomfort of doing the thing that you know you want to do, but you don't feel like doing? Or do you want to deal with the long-term kind of dull achiness, you know, that nagging feeling that you get when you continually don't do the thing that you want to be doing, but that you can't find the willingness to do? I don't know if that made sense, but, you know, there's short-term discomfort and there is long-term discomfort often that comes from avoidance. So I think it's up to you to decide which one you are able to live with. By the way, this doesn't just apply to you who are listening. This applies to me too. And my MO is that only when I have gotten so uncomfortable, then I will find the willingness to make a change. But that's something that I've gotten better with over the years. But, you know, discomfort is my great motivator. I think it is for a lot of people. So sometimes you have to get in that place where you are just like, I don't like the way I'm living. I am not living the life that I want to live. I'm not doing the habits that I want to live. I am not taking care of my body the way I want to take care of my body, whatever it is. Sometimes that discomfort is a good thing because 
then you do get that willingness. You know, we call it in recovery, the gift of desperation, the gift of desperation. Desperation is such a gift because that is where you find motivation. That is where you find willingness. That is where you surrender. That is where you take action, you know, and the biggest example for me, obviously, is when I got sober, I was desperate. That's why you hear people talk a lot about rock bottom. I definitely know lots of people who got sober without hitting rock bottom, but everybody's bottom is different. So I guess it's all relative. You know, some people do find that they are at rock bottom when they are still, you know, working a really good job. Things are okay with their family, but they feel emotionally, spiritually bankrupt. You know, I always admire people like that because I had to be and I've talked about this before, circling the drain. Like <laughs> I was on the brink of death. Only then was I willing to change, but I was granted the gift of desperation. And I was willing to take people's suggestions and start taking action to live differently than how I had been living prior to that point. And, you know, this doesn't pertain only to sobriety. This can apply to anything. But there is so much we can do before we get to that point. So I'm not suggesting that you just, you know, blow up your life and go off the rails so that you can find some willingness to change. You know, I think kind of like what I was saying before, there are some really simple ways that we can change our behaviors to be more aligned with what we want for our future and for our current selves. And not to keep referring back to this episode. Most of you probably listened to it, but I do get a lot into that in the solo episode from December. Well, this is kind of relevant. Somebody asked, how do I stay motivated to have my routine? So I posted on Instagram the other day. I posted this reel that says, when someone asks why we have to sleep eight hours a night, eat protein within 30 minutes of waking up, get 10K steps a day, drink electrolytes, meditate, do breath work, go to therapy, do sauna and cold plunge, take a magnesium bath before bed, self-tan, and do red light therapy. And I think there was a little bit of confusion. Obviously, this was tongue-in-cheek and meant to be kind of an exaggeration of the typical wellness person, wellness girl routine. This is an amalgamation of all the things that I do, not on a daily basis, in one post. And people were asking on that post, how do you stay motivated to do this? And people asked me in the Q&A as well. So I don't do all of those things every day. Back to what I was saying just now about, you know, being desperate and being uncomfortable. If I'm uncomfortable or if I am going through something really difficult, if I am PMS, I've talked about PMDD in the past. I mean, I, it's really, it's getting worse with age, I have to say. So I know that the week before my period, I am going to have debilitating anxiety and I am going to just be feeling pretty subpar. We'll put it that way. So those weeks, sometimes I will do all the things because I need all the things, but on a daily basis, when I am like feeling pretty okay, I am not doing every single thing. I really think of all these wellness things as tools. I definitely have non-negotiables, but I essentially think of myself as having a pretty fully loaded toolbox. I know the things that I can do to support myself in moments when I need them. But I would say my non-negotiables are definitely eight hours of sleep. That is not something that's difficult for me. I like to go to bed early and my body wakes me up early. Easy peasy. I definitely aim to do the protein, not necessarily within 30 minutes of waking up, sorry Rob, but definitely within an hour. And that is easy for me because I eat my yogurt bowl that I really like. I drink electrolytes every day. I do a half a packet of Element, sometimes more depending on my activity level, but baseline would be a half a packet. So that is a yes every day. I do, what else did I put on there? Meditation, yes, that's a daily thing for me. But, you know, I feel like I've talked about this ad nauseum. I am really flexible with all of this. God, I'm going to use another recovery saying, I'm so sorry. You guys are like, we're not in recovery. Please stop. 
there's a saying in recovery that we wear it like a loose garment, you know, and that's how I think of wellness, too. I wear wellness like a loose garment. It's not a rigid lifestyle for me. I don't have to do these things day in, day out. I know the things that I like to do that make me feel my best. And then I know the things that I have in my toolbox that I can pull out when I need them. And the motivation, back to the original question, the motivation just comes from wanting to feel good. Not wanting to biohack my body and feel like, you know, the optimal version of myself necessarily. Obviously, yes, I want to feel good. But this is another thing that I posted on Instagram like over the summer, I think, where I said that I was happy to be an eight. And so many people took it the wrong way and they were fighting with me in the comments about judging my looks. And I would say, no, this is about wellness. If you listen to the audio, it was a clip from my podcast where I said that, you know, I don't have to be at a 12 all the time. I am happy being an eight. And they were like, no, you're still talking about your looks. You just can't convince people otherwise when they have decided how they want to perceive something. But I'm happy being at an eight. I don't necessarily like feeling like I'm at a 10. I don't like feeling like I'm at a five, but I'm happy somewhere in the middle. And I do have those days of feeling like a 10. And I do have those days of feeling at a four or a five, you know, but overall, the average, the balance is somewhere in between. I'm feeling good. I feel like I can be productive. I feel like I have energy. I'm sleeping well. You know, my health is good. I'm able to show up for the people in my life and the commitments in my life. And that is what I can hope for, you know, not trying to be Brian Johnson, the guy who is like the ultimate biohacker of his body. He would be really interesting to have on the podcast, but I think he may have a little bit of a problematic history with uh, women in his life. So I don't know about that. Not sure if that is corroborated. I think it was alleged. So Brian, if you're listening to the Blonde Files podcast, not saying that that is true. Okay. Work-life balance and my focus for growth in 2024. There is no work-life balance, I don't think, with this career. And maybe some other influencers can pipe in and tell me how they have achieved work-life balance. But I think when your life is your work, it's really hard to find balance, especially when your work is to share your life. I think that people romanticize the idea of being an influencer because they think, oh, you just wake up and take a few pictures and post it and you can travel and you have this autonomy and obviously the money is really good. Yes, those things are true. <laughs> well, the autonomy, the money, the you know, flexibility with schedules and being able to travel, things like that. But it is so much freaking work. I mean, if you're not in the industry, I think that there's just no way that you would be able to understand everything that goes into it. But especially because we have so many platforms, you know, I personally am on Instagram and then I have my podcast Instagram, and then I have TikTok, and then I have my podcast TikTok. Now we're going on to YouTube. Obviously, I have the podcast. And then there are these kind of, you know, supplemental platforms. I have my website. I have my newsletter. I have my Pinterest. I have my like to know it. Just so many platforms. And you're having to come up with multiple pieces of content for most of those per day, preferably 365 and there's so much that goes into it on the business end. And there is this feeling of feeling like you have to ABC, always be creating. So it can be a real struggle if you don't have boundaries. And, you know, I am decent with my boundaries, I would say, meaning I'm not just sitting, staring at my phone the entire day and making content the entire day. But most days, you know, normal working hours, nine to five, I am making content. I'm working on something. I'm preparing for podcasts. I'm, you know, going over transcripts and edits. I'm reading or writing ad copy. I am making TikToks. I'm making reels. I'm working on deliverables for brands that I work with. I am in my emails. I am doing like to know it. I also have amazing people that work for me. But, you know, this content doesn't just like come out of thin air and the content is my life. So I have to be 
cognizant of that. And like, even if I am making dinner, I'm like, oh, well, I should share this on TikTok, you know? And then it's like, I'm, I'm working. And then my nighttime skin routine, people like to see that, you know? So then I'm working when I'm washing my face. And then that has to be edited. And it's just constant. And, you know, people are like, that's so easy. Well, yes and no. <laughs> I mean, is it sitting in front of a computer analyzing data 40, 60 hours a week? No, but, you know, it's a different kind of work. Work is work. Creative work is work. I've actually seen like a trend on TikTok. I don't know why this is on my For You page, but people who were trying to be influencers and now work nine to fives and they're like so grateful that they have a nine to five job where they clock in, clock out. They have weekends off. They have time off and their life is separate from their work. And they were like, we had no idea like how brutal <laughs> it was and how much like your work seeps into your personal life and, you know, kind of vice versa. But all of that said, I can't complain because I do love the creativity aspect of it. I love the autonomy. I love the flexibility. I love the money. I love being able to work from anywhere. I love getting to connect with you guys, especially this way. So, you know, the pros far outweigh the cons. But back to the original question, work-life balance, that is something that I'm really going to be focusing on in 2024. And for me, I don't know. I don't know what that's going to look like yet being better at batching content. Even when you batch content, you can feel like you batched so much content. And then five days later, you're back at square one and having to batch again. So it just never ends. It is never ending. I don't know that I have a good answer for this, for the work-life balance. But, you know, I am mindful of like not having my phone out when I'm with friends or family and not recording every single thing and having my slow mornings where I do my, you know, me stuff. And for the most part, I am off my phone at a certain time at night unless I'm filming something, but then I'll wait to edit it the next day. And I try to have at least a day on the weekend where I'm not doing anything. Although, on weekends, I'm not working on the podcast, so I feel like I have more time for other content for TikTok and Instagram so that I'm doing that. So yeah, I don't know. I don't really have work-life balance. But the nice thing is that I can like travel. I'm going to New York. Actually, when this comes out, I'm in New York, and then I'm going to be in Miami probably, and I can work, but I'm working from there. So can I take a couple hours and like go sit at the beach? Yes, I can. Would I be able to do that if I was working a nine to five? No. So for me, that makes it worth it. When it comes to working out, you guys probably know that I go see Harley once or twice a week. And sometimes I'll do a Pilates class or two in person. But a lot of people ask me, what do I do on the other days? My favorite platform is Allo Moves, and that is because Allo Moves has the classes and flows that are made to move with you. So it is the on-demand streaming wellness platform that has everything from yoga and fitness to meditation and self-care. It's my go-to for every step of my health and wellness journey. In fact, I learned how to dry brush on Allo Moves. So if I have a ton of energy and I want to do a cardio or a HIIT class, Allo Moves has what I need when I need it. If I want to do something more calming like yoga, Allo Moves has it. Or if I want to do something like gua sha, like I said, dry brushing, face yoga, it's like they have got this wellness magic going on on Allo Moves. With over 100 new classes every month, Allo Moves keeps me hooked and motivated. It is like a constant stream of fresh vibes for my wellness journey. So no matter your path, it's time to make a move with Allo Moves. You guys can get a free 30-day Allo Moves subscription by going to allomoves.com and use the code BLONDE20. That's A-L-O-Moves.com, code BLONDE20 in all caps. Allomoves.com, code BLONDE20 in all caps for a free 30-day Allo Moves subscription. I know so many people have given up alcohol for dry January, or maybe they are starting the year a little more sober curious and reevaluating their relationship with alcohol. But I know for a lot of people, they want to find a replacement. They want to give up drinking without 
giving up drinking, now you can. If you want post-workout drinks, if you want to go out and have that Friday night birthday party, but you have an early morning Pilates class, now you can. If you are going to a working lunch and then you have an afternoon presentation, now you can with Heineken 0.0. It is an alcohol-free option to the original Heineken that you love. It has 100% taste, but 0.0% alcohol. That means it's perfect for all the times when you would like a beer, but cannot have the alcohol. So click the link in the podcast description to buy now. You must be 21 plus to purchase. Please enjoy Heineken responsibly. You guys know that I am skincare obsessed. And when I am looking for skincare, I'm looking for a few things specifically. So not only do I want something that's going to provide visual improvements for my skin, but I want them to work at a deeper level to improve my skin health span. So yes, I have good skin now because I'm 38, but I want to continue that into my 40s, 50s, and beyond. And I'm also a big believer in formulations that have been rigorously clinically tested, approved by dermatologists, and endorsed by experts. And the Swiss cellular longevity brand Timeline checks all of those boxes. They just released a new skincare line that supports your skin health and longevity while giving you that youthful look full of life that we all want. So their secret weapon is called MitoPure. It's the first and only bioactive clinically proven to renew your cell's energy supply to help your skin fight against both intrinsic and extrinsic aging factors. So in practice, what that means is it helps reduce skin thinning and loss of elasticity. And it also supports the processes inside the skin cells that power up collagen assembly and formation in just 72 hours. It is amazing. It's also clinically proven to protect skin against photo damage by reducing inflammation caused by UV beads by 15%. And yes, it is also clinically proven to dramatically reduce the appearance of wrinkles as early as two weeks of use. This is of the utmost importance to me right now because I cannot use Botox. So I'm trying to do all of the skincare things that I can to help keep any wrinkles at bay. And it is worth mentioning that I'm currently in New York City where it is freezing. And I've been using the night cream and the day cream, which contain minimum 84% natural ingredients, no added fragrance or dye, and have great scores on safety rating apps. And they have been keeping me moisturized against the elements, which is pretty tough when it's freezing and windy and all of that. And my skin still looks great. So I have seen a real difference in my skin and I know I'm investing in its health. If you want to try it for yourself, Timeline Nutrition is offering my community 10% off the Timeline Skin Health line at timelinenutrition.com slash blonde. That's T-I-M-E-L-I-N-E-N-U-T-R-I-T-I-O-N.com slash blonde and use the code blonde. Okay. If you guys hear a difference in my voice, it's because I recorded that portion of this podcast on a Thursday afternoon. And then I had all of these appointments and commitments. So now it is Friday morning at 6.30. I have a 10 a.m. deadline and a 10 a.m. meeting. So I'm trying to get everything done before then. I thought I would tell you that because I remember I left off talking about work-life balance and I do get questions about kind of a day in the life and what my schedule is like. And this is kind of a good example of how there is no schedule. There are no hours because the hours are all hours. So anyway, if I sound tired, it's because I just woke up. I did my 20-minute meditation first. That really is like my biggest non-negotiable, not because it's like relaxing. I think that that's such a misconception about meditation. Sometimes it can be, but because it seeps into every area of my life and it helps me to think more clearly, be less reactive. It makes me feel happier, more balanced. So anyway, did that, but now I am still kind of like half awake and back with you guys. Okay. So I left off work-life balance. And then I think the second part of that was my focus for growth in 2024. My main focus for growth 
of course, is the podcast. I have a rebrand coming in a few months, so I'm really excited about that. I'm working with my branding team right now, and I am so obsessed with the direction that we're going and so excited about the future of the podcast and just you know, my platforms and brand as a whole. So that is really, really exciting for me. And of course, fostering this community. I mean, a lot of you guys have been with me for almost five years. So I'm really excited to do some in-person podcasts. We're going to start with a few cities and depending on how that goes, then we will expand. And then I keep teasing this new way of delivering more personal content to you guys. So I'm looking forward to that. I also will be able to talk about personal things on this show as well. So I just cannot right now. And you guys will understand why when I finally can. (laughs) And it's not that I'm trying to tease people. I've seen comments about that, like how I'm doing clickbait. And it's really really not that at all. It's that I really can't talk about things in my personal life right now, which sucks, but I can't, but I will be able to soon. So, okay, let's move on from that. Do I ever get bored with self-improvement content? Yes and no. So I don't really consume a lot of self-improvement content, to be honest with you. I am pretty good about you know, keeping my blinders on when it comes to social media. I am not a scroller. I always talk about this. I don't know why. Like social media is work for me. So when I'm on there, I am working, whether I am posting stories, doing Q&As, posting reels, editing reels, posting TikToks, making TikToks, making reels. I mean, when I am done doing all of that stuff, I do not want to be on social media. And the last thing that I want to consume is self-improvement or wellness content because I definitely get burnout from it, from making my own content centered around that. And I honestly, this is going to sound really harsh. I don't care about other people's routines. I don't care about people's morning or nighttime routines. I don't care about their wellness routines. I don't care what they're eating in a day. This probably sounds terrible, but I just really don't care. So that is not the content that I consume if and when I am going to consume content. Like my TikTok for you page is so random. It's a lot of like sciencey stuff, historical stuff. It is not wellness content, thank God. Yeah, like I don't scroll on Instagram ever. I don't think that I've ever been on Instagram's version of like a for you. So I really don't consume that. I don't read like self-improvement books, self-help books, anything like that. I feel like I get everything that I need to get through my recovery. And then, of course, I talk to people on the podcast. And when I'm talking to somebody and I'm in conversation with them, then I'm genuinely interested in their experience and what they're sharing. But when it comes to like consuming that kind of content on social, it's just really not my thing. But when it comes to creating self-improvement content of my own, I get super burnt out on it, but I also go through phases. Like sometimes I feel really creative and really on fire for it and I have a lot of ideas and then other times I cannot for the life of me think of anything to post, anything to say. And, you know, I am not a creative well where I can just churn out content day in, day out, and I think that we need to kind of honor that and I do take breaks for better or worse. I don't know. I guess it's better for my mental health, but not great from a business perspective. But, you know, you guys probably notice like sometimes I go a week without, but I think that you need that. Like I remember Chuck was on my podcast and he said that you need to input stuff. You need to have a life outside of your work and input things so that then you have something to draw from when you're being creative. And I think that This is something that a lot of creators struggle with. We don't input anything except for more social media. So, you know, it can be like a very vicious cycle. Okay, this is getting really long and I have so many good questions that I want to get to. I am going to pivot after maybe the next 
two questions. So I'll touch on this really quickly, dealing with imposter syndrome and going after goals when there are setbacks. So I think that we need to reframe setbacks. Setbacks aren't failures. They're not keeping you from reaching your goals. I truly believe that setbacks are gifts and they are redirections. I can think about my own career and times when I felt like I was running into roadblocks and not getting where I wanted to get and people were saying no to me. And I actually remember when I met with this really big management company, it was maybe 2018-ish. So I'd only been doing this for about two years and I really, 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 really wanted to be with this management company. And by the way, this is not calling anybody out. I met with several and (laughs) I was told no by a lot of them. But I remember going to this meeting and I was really unprepared. I was really green. I did not have a lot of experience. I had just started to monetize my platform, meaning I had only done like a handful of sponsored posts and I was just really new. And I kind of like totally butchered this interview and I left there and I just felt like so kind of bad about myself. And I didn't even hear from them. I don't think they ever even told me no. They just didn't contact me after that. And I don't blame them. Um, And at the time, it felt like rejection. Like it felt like being rejected by your dream partner, right? Like that feeling, that heart racing, that ruminating, that just kind of obsessing over like, what could I have done differently? Like, what did I say that was wrong? Blah, blah, blah. All of those things. And It turned out to be like the biggest gift for me because it really motivated me to put my head down and focus on my work and get better at what I was doing so that, you know, I would be more experienced. And I ended up meeting with different management not too long after that. And it's actually who I'm still with to this day. And it's been such an amazing fit for me because it's very like boutique versus being a really big agency. And they've really supported me throughout my career. And that turned out to be a huge gift. And that's just one example. But, you know, I think if you talk to any successful person, they would tell you that the setbacks are what got them to the point that they're at today, whether it was because it motivated them to be better, whether it was because it was a redirection and they ended up not being able to take the road that they thought that they wanted to take and they ended up taking a different road and it was the road that led them to, you know, further success. We need adversity. It's so hard in the moment when we're facing the adversity, when we're facing the setbacks and feeling like we are falling behind, not getting to where we want to be. But I really believe that everything happens for a reason. And we don't know what that reason is in the moment. And we might not know what that reason is for a long time, but eventually it makes sense. You know, I can look back on that rejection now that it is, I don't know, six years later. And I can see how, you know, that was happening for me, not happening to me. And think about how boring our lives would be if we didn't have any setbacks. I mean, those are what develop character. That's what contributes to growth more than anything else is how resilient we are and how we handle that and how we navigate that. And if everything was just going our way the whole time, like we would just be jaded. I think there would be no appreciation. And unfortunately, like we have to have the bitter to have the sweet, you know, I got a lot of questions about kids and my thoughts on kids. And I feel like maybe I should do a full episode on this. So because I don't have that much time, I think I'm going to skip it. But let me know if this is something that you guys want to hear about on maybe my next solo. Okay, let's get into some of the fun stuff. You guys know that I do more serious content and then I like to do the beauty and more kind of frivolous stuff towards the end. So treatments and procedures I've had that I would and wouldn't recommend. Also my thoughts on Sculptra. 
I don't know why Sculptra is having such a moment right now. I swear every day I must get like 50 questions about Sculptra. So have I done Sculptra? Yes. I can't remember when. Have I noticed a difference? No, I don't really remember. <laughs> so I cannot really recommend it. Although I know that people do really like it when it's done well. The issue with Sculptra, I think, is that if it's not done well, then it's not like something like a hyaluronic acid filler where you can dissolve it. You're kind of stuck with it, to my understanding. So treatments and procedures I've had that I would recommend. I like Botox, although Botox and I are on a break right now. Botox ruined my life for four months. And I will get into that, but, you know, I don't want to scare people. And I don't think that it was necessarily the Botox itself, but it was my body's reaction to it, my immune system. But I do like Botox, obviously, when it's done really well. Filler, I think, when done well is fine. I know that filler is being kind of like demonized right now. But, you know, I think that when it's done tastefully and it's just used in small amounts, it's not meant to lift anything. It's not meant to be used for a ton of volume, you know, structural kind of volume. But if it's just done in a way that it is like kind of playing with shadows and highlights and just accentuating certain things, then I think it's fine. Other procedures that I've had that I think made the biggest impact, definitely my lip lift. And for those who don't know what a lip lift is, it's when the skin and the muscle at the base of the nose is cut and essentially shortened. It shortens the distance between the base of your nose and the upper lip. This elongates as we age, which makes us look older. And so a shorter philtrum is kind of associated with youth. That's not even why I did it. It didn't have anything to do with looking younger. And by the way, for all the people who talk shit about my procedures... <laughs> who I know are listening. Nothing I've ever done in my 10 years that I have, you know, gotten little tweaks here and there. None of it has been to look younger. I just want to look like my most refreshed self. And with the lip lift, it really just brought balance to my face. And, you know, I was filling my lips before then. I had no top lip to begin with. I had so much filler in there trying to get it to lift that I looked like Marge Simpson. I'll try to find an old picture. It was so not the vibe. So, you know, it really made a huge difference in just, like I said, bringing balance to my face. Now, this is a risky procedure because no matter what, you're putting a scar in the middle of your face. Anytime you cut through skin, you are going to have a scar. So sometimes people are like, oh, I can see the scar. Well, yeah, some people have noses that cover it like Kim Kardashian. You can't see her scar because her nose kind of, or her nasal tip kind of covers it. Same with like Bella Hadid. Obviously this is alleged, <laughs> but my nose is a little bit shorter. My tip is more rotated kind of upward. So you can see that area of my face if you are looking at me from a little bit below or sometimes even straight on. That was something that I was willing to do. You have to weigh that when you are doing a procedure, am I going to be okay with, you know, potentially putting a scar here? And for me, the pros far outweighed the cons. And, you know, it's barely noticeable. I think if you're looking for it, then yeah, you can see it. But definitely one of my favorite things that I have done for that balance and for that you know, proportion that it brought to my face. As far as least favorite things, definitely threads. I don't have to get into that with you guys here because you all know. And I feel like threads are kind of out anyway. I don't know that people are still really doing them. Maybe they are, but I would not recommend them. And then I think radio frequency with microneedling, just proceed with caution. I've had so many doctors on my show who have said that the problem is not with the device itself. The problem is that it's unpredictable because your result depends on your body's own ability to produce collagen and to heal. And, you know, some people maybe have thicker skin and have a greater ability to produce collagen, whereas other people don't. So I know for myself, like I did profound when I was maybe 31 or 32. I had younger, thicker skin at the time. I had a good result. And then I did it again a few years later and I have thin white girl skin. 
<laughs> and when I did that second round, like it really destroyed some of that essential fat that I had. And then I had to like go in and restore that lost volume. So, you know, some people get really great results. Some people have devastating results. And I think that you cannot really accurately predict who is going to be the best candidate for it. So I think you just have to be careful when it comes to that. Okay. One anti-aging thing I would do forever if I could only do one, it would be Botox. And the cruel irony is that that's the one thing that I cannot do right now. Somebody said she got Botox for the first time and fainted. She had no idea that could happen. I don't know that that's from the Botox itself. Again, I'm no doctor, but I think that could be like a vasovagal response. I've seen videos on that. I don't think that reactions to Botox happen that quickly, but I think that they can happen in the first 24 hours, which is what happened to me back in August. And people really want to know about what happened to me after the Botox. I will definitely share it, but not on this episode because of a few things, time being one of them. Staying positive during health scares and illness anxiety. Whew. I mean, that was my life for four months, you know, this fall, August until early December, I would say. It's really, really hard. I don't know that you can necessarily stay positive. Some people do. I think some people inherently have a more optimistic nature. I am not one of those people. But I think when it comes to health scares and illness anxiety, I think acceptance is the most important part. And I don't mean accepting it and just sitting back and not doing anything. You can accept something and still pursue a diagnosis. And you can accept something and still pursue healing modalities. And you can pursue health. But I think in the moment when that anxiety and that feeling of like fear and why is this happening to me, when that takes over, I think that that exacerbates symptoms and that impedes on healing. So I remember at one point this fall, I was at acupuncture. I was crying to Dr. Ping, one of my acupuncturists. And, you know, she just said, like, just accept it. You know, this is what it is in this moment. Just accept it in the moment. When you have that thought like, oh, my God, I'm having this symptom. Why is this happening? What do I do? Is this going to be forever? All of these thoughts. Just accept what is happening in the moment and then try to turn your attention to something else. You know, that advice really helped me because I was consumed with this obsession to get better. And as a result, I was constantly analyzing my body and my symptoms. And I think that's normal because sometimes these things are really traumatic. You know, you feel like you're never going to get better. And it's really terrifying. I have a whole new sympathy and respect for people who deal with these kind of invisible chronic illnesses. But when you get stuck in that mode of analyzing and fear and when am I going to get better and how am I going to get better, you know, I really think that that's detrimental. And I was obsessed with that. And I was obsessed with like doing healing meditations. And it was my sole focus. And really, I started to get better, you know, with time because Botox wears off. <laughs> Thank God. But also, you know, I felt better when I was not fighting it, I guess, which, you know, easier said than done. Okay. More about being sober, how to go about finding a sober community. Well, biggest sober community is AA. My raw experiences with rehab, my journey of self-esteem and sobriety. Maybe I will do a full episode on sobriety. I feel like I haven't done one in a while. So let me know if you guys want that. Again, I don't really have time right now. And I feel like some of these things, like the topic of kids, the topic of sobriety, getting into what happened to me with Botox, these are things that might require, you know, more depth. More about my personal life transition I referred to. I told you guys I can't talk about that right now, but soon. If I was single, where would I go to meet guys in L.A.? This is so easy. I would go work out at Harley's. <laughs> if he's listening to this, he's like, oh, my God. Kidding, but not kidding. I would go to Erwan, but it depends on what Erwan, not Erwan Beverly Hills. It's a lot of touristy people and kind of skews younger, I would say. Erwan Venice, if you want a tech bro and or a guy that's going to go to Burning Man with you, <laughs> that would be Erwan Venice. Erwan Calabasas, 
you know, I haven't been to that one in a while. People who don't live in L.A. are like, what is she talking about? I think Erwan Calabasas is kind of a wild card because you get a lot of, you know, the Calabasas moms. But I feel like you also get some kind of Malibu guys. That's the closest one. And some kind of like maybe divorced dads at Erwan Venice. I mean, Erwan Calabasas. Erwan Santa Monica, also total wild card. I would say that this is like a guy in his early 30s living in Santa Monica or Brentwood, like young professional. Okay. Anyway, I'm not going to go through all the Erwan <laughs> locations. I don't know. I don't know where the single guys are in LA aside from Harley's gym and Erwan, maybe Aloe. I don't know. Aloe's gym, maybe Highmat Club. I don't know if people still go to Soho House. I don't know. I don't know. I am so out of the game. Could not tell you, but I'll let you know. All right. That is it for me. Thank you guys for listening to me ramble. I feel like this episode was kind of unhinged and all over the place, but let me know what you want to hear about in the next episodes. Stay tuned for news about the rebrand. I'm going to start kind of rolling things out soon. Stay tuned for live show updates. Stay tuned for more ways to get some extra content. And yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Love ya. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you liked it, and if you like the show in general, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It goes a long way, and it's actually the best way to support the show. Also, if you want to see more about each episode, you can head over to the Blonde Files podcast on Instagram. You can go to ariellaurie.com. And I'm always posting about each episode over on my personal page at ariellaurie. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.